to, is this working? Yeah. If you want to find a Bible, there should be some nearby. We're going to carry on in the book of Acts. And we're in Acts chapter 18. And we're reading from verse 1 through to chapter 19, verse 10. So Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads, I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius, Justice, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptised. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. While Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews of Corinth made a united attack on Paul and brought him to the place of judgment. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Galileo said to them, if you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he drove them off. Then the crowd there turned us on Sosthenes, the synagogue leader, and beat him in front of the proconsul. And Galileo showed no concern whatever. Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sisters and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Century because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus, where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, and he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, 
strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, and they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Trita, for reading for us. Well, it's a funny Sunday, this, isn't it? Um, a funny Sunday in all sorts of ways. Um, it, it's a sort of farewell, um, but then sort of slightly disappointingly, Beth and I aren't actually going anywhere. <laughs> Um, so that kind of slightly ruins that. Um, it, it's, a, it's a sort of a transition, uh, but then again, all of the things that really matter aren't actually changing at all. Um, so, so that doesn't quite work either. And, and I think it helps us this morning that God has given us this passage about Apollos. Because you remember, remember that Apollos crops up again um, in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, um, where he has this to say. What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. So, so while I am glad uh, of this opportunity to reflect on the past 18 years. The reason I'm glad to do that is because I'm glad for this opportunity to give praise where it's due uh, to the God who gives the growth and has brought the blessing. Uh, let's, let's pray to him 
uh, before we think about this passage together. Uh, Our Father God, it is uh, to you that all glory and praise uh, should come. Uh, And would you enable uh, this morning, um, would you enable this uh, time as we we think together uh, on these verses uh, to be a time that honors you, praises you, uh, brings you glory? Uh, We pray that it would build up uh, your church as we sit under your word. Uh, In Christ's name we pray. Amen. As well as being a bit of a funny occasion, it's also a bit of a funny sermon, truth be told. Um, Because what I'm going to try and do is a a bit of a reflection on chapters 18 and 19 of Acts, particularly the the last bit of 18 and the beginning of 19. Um, But also a bit of a reflection on the last 18 years and, and to try and weave those two together see how that goes. Um, so uh, what, what I'm going to try and do is, is pick out four kind of lessons um, that, that I think are here in this passage um, and that I think are also relevant to us as we, as we look back and indeed look forwards. A, a kind of lesson about learning, a lesson about church, a lesson about partnerships and a lesson about persistence. Uh, here's first one, a lesson about learning. There's funny stuff going on at the end of 18 and the beginning of 19. Um, maybe you picked it up. They seem to be linked by references to the baptism of John. The trouble is no one is entirely sure quite what that means. Um, here's how I best understand it. Clearly, John the Baptist had had, a, had, had a, an enormously impactful ministry. Uh, you remember the crowds going out to him in the wilderness in Judea, remember that? But clearly, the news of John and the message of John has spread widely. It's been picked up in Ephesus by the, the 12 disciples that we meet at the beginning of chapter 19. But it looks as though it's also been picked up all the way over in Egypt, in Alexandria, where Apollos has come from, because he heard about John the Baptist as well. And you get this impression that, that what John the Baptist said... His announcement of, of one uh, who was to come and this baptism uh, for the repentance um, uh, of sin, uh, that that had spread widely and people had picked it up. But of course, he was talking about one still to come. Uh, and in that sense, everyone was on a journey from John the Baptist and hearing his ministry through to, hopefully, hearing about Jesus and finding salvation in him. And people were on different points on that journey, if you like. How far they'd moved from from just hearing about John uh, to to grasping uh, everything about who Jesus was uh, and what he had done. See, Apollos was pretty much way down the track. He's described in verse 24 there of chapter 18 as a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures. What's more, he'd been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor, taught about Jesus accurately. So clearly, he was a believer. And yet, we're told that he knew only the baptism of John. I don't know what that means. I don't know in what particular sense Apollos was not quite sorted. Do you see what I mean? that there was clearly something missing, which is what Priscilla and Aquila then attend to. But exactly what it was, I I don't know. Maybe it was something to do with grace and not realizing that forgiveness came to us absolutely freely 
without any need for a particular form of repentance. But we don't really know. Uh, what is clear is the situation with Apollos was very, very different to the situation that Paul encountered in Ephesus in chapter 19. See, see, those 12 disciples, and it's not really clear who they are disciples of, that they're way back. If you think about the journey from understanding just John to, to grasping Jesus and all that he was, well, they're way back. They've barely passed sort of go uh, in their understanding. And Paul susses that pretty quickly, doesn't he? You see that? Though they're calling themselves disciples, he asks, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answer, uh, verse 2, 3, verse 2, no, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Uh, and so uh, Paul is required to explain more to them. What baptism did you receive, asked Paul. Well, just John's baptism, they reply. And that opens up the opportunity for Paul to explain all that Jesus has done. And wonderfully, as he explains that message, they believe. And because they believe, Paul lays his hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit uh, as so often in Acts, a visible demonstration uh, of them coming uh, to faith. Now, we will be at different places uh, this morning, I guess. Uh, some will be in the place of these 12 in Ephesus, not yet believing in Christ, maybe having heard a bit about the Christian faith, a bit about John the Baptist, maybe, but without saving faith in Christ. Well, if that's you, great that you're here. Keep coming. Keep hearing more uh, of this message of salvation. But many more of us, I guess, will be, will be kind of more like Apollos, with saving faith, but also with some gaps. And, and that, in a sense, is my opening lesson. Uh, the lesson of the value of learning, it brings such blessing to us. But learning is tricky, isn't it? Uh, over the past 18 years, uh, many times people have listened to me speak like I am today, uh, and they've sat there thinking to themselves, ooh, I think he's missing something quite important. And wonderfully... They've invited me round and sat me down and helped me to see what I was missing. And what a blessing that has been. See, the reason that I love uh, that painting that you saw earlier on of The Apprentice is because that's all that I will ever be. An apprentice trying to learn a bit more about this wonderful Lord Jesus. Uh, and I love that picture because it captures that. Uh, Annalise has just told me that I had misunderstood what the apprentice is doing. And she said that actually the apprentice was working on a restoration. Is that a lovely picture? Working on a restoration, putting things right. But doing so under the eye uh, of the expert, the, sh the figure, the shadowy figure. And, and I kind of capture that as that's what God has been doing for me for, for the past 18 years, for the past 40 years uh, since I came to faith. Just being there, teaching me, leading me on, helping me to learn more and more that I needed 
uh, if I was to minister well. But of course, it hasn't always worked like that. Because sometimes when you've sat me down uh, and told me things that I've been missing, I've been stubborn uh, and I've been slow to listen. Uh, And I'm sorry for that. I'm grateful to those who have persevered with me. Learning is good. And for me, one of the great delights of, uh, uh, of the past 18 years has been the learning that God has enabled me to do through the work of the biblical counselling movement. Uh, that has been such a blessing. I wish I'd got to it earlier in all sorts of ways. God's timing uh, was right and perfect. But I'd love to have got to it 10 years earlier. Uh, my preaching, my prayer life, my leadership, my marriage, my friendships have all been profoundly affected uh, by the richer understanding of the age-old gospel. Uh, The biblical counselling movement has helped me to embrace more richly and more fully. So prize learning. Take every opportunity uh, to learn. Uh, And if you fancy signing up to the biblical counselling certificate, then the deadline (laughs) is tomorrow, as it happens. But I could probably get a little extension for you. Uh, if you want that. Okay, lesson number two, uh, about the church, which is the body of Christ, and in which we all have ministry to do. Um, This section of Acts, um, kind of in all sorts of ways, gets Paul center stage, doesn't it? Um, His ministry uh, dominates the scene. But it's intriguing that though we get all sorts of excited about Paul's first missionary journey, charted out on our maps. Paul's second missionary journey, chart that one out. Um, Luke is much less excited uh, by all that kind of stuff. Um, Pick it up in verse 21 of chapter 18, where Paul is just leaving Ephesus. Um, Middle of of verse, or just the end of verse 21. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up to Jerusalem and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and travel from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Know what that was? That was the end of missionary journey number two and the beginning of missionary journey number three. But blink and you'd miss it, wouldn't you? I mean, Luke doesn't make a big thing about it. He doesn't say, here endeth the great second missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, and here beginneth the third. It just sort of, you know, it just sort of happens almost without you noticing. And it's a kind of lovely reminder that actually Luke is much more interested in in what happened than who caused it to happen. No fanfare, no fuss. And and in fact, in this next session, the the, the final part of chapter 18, Paul kind of just sort of disappears from the scene. He's not in it at all. And it's all about what went on between Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos. And it's a lovely reminder to us that we have a a limited account of the way that God got the church started. All sorts of other things were going on. All sorts of other bits of ministry were happening uh, alongside these particular leaders uh, that occupy center stage. God gifts his church for ministry. I hope you get that, all of us, part of the body of Christ, Gifted for ministry. 
You don't have to be a preacher to speak the word of life into somebody else's heart and mind. You don't need to be on a pastoral team to bring encouragement and care to someone in a time of need. And I love how we see that amongst us as a church family together. To see people arriving at church, arriving at their midweek group, thinking to themselves, who can I encourage this week? Who can I phone to thank them for something they've done? Or to remind them of a truth that God has reminded me of? Who can I just listen to in their time of trouble? Lovely when we see that going on in the church family. But when we come thinking, who could I ask what I could be praying for them today? And one of the things that has been most precious to me about the last few years of life here at Christ Church is seeing the way that people just stop and pray quietly in a pair uh, on a Sunday uh, after the service, just as they together bring something to the Lord. Uh, what a gift and what a treasure that is, reminding us that we are the body of Christ, uh, sharing in ministry, using the gifts that God has given us. So church is the body of Christ. We all have a ministry within it. Uh, let's seize that and do it. And then a third lesson, which is about partnerships and just how precious they are. Now, I've mentioned Priscilla and Aquila, uh, and uh, it's easy to overlook them, because in a sense, they're, they're come and gone pretty quickly in this account. Um, Paul meets them there in verse 1. Uh, they've recently arrived from Rome, we're told, uh, and it seems that they not only share Paul's faith, but they share the same trade as tent makers. And that leads Paul to decide that he will stay with them, work with them. And for 18 months, they become his companions in ministry in Corinth. Uh, their friendship deepens, uh, so that when Paul finally leaves Corinth in verse 18, Priscilla and Aquila go with him. But the decision is made in Ephesus that they will remain there while Paul travels on to Jerusalem, the end of his second missionary journey. But, but that's not the end of Priscilla and Aquila. No, no, they crop up again. Paul mentions them uh, in, his letter, in his second letter to Timothy. Uh, and then intriguingly, uh, in Romans... You know the end of Romans and those bits that we sort of get a bit sort of, the end of letters that we sort of go a bit sort of mind numb on because it's just a list of lots of names, you know, greet so and 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 so. Well, the first of the people that Paul greets at the end of Romans, Priscilla and Aquila. So it looks as though at some point they find their way back to Rome, I take it. And they are still his precious partners in gospel ministry. There's so much that we don't know about their relationship, about the work and the ministry that they did together. We just get these little glimpses into their interaction. And we're left to imagine the friendship, the depth of love, 
that developed between them. The long days working side by side on their tent making, in their ministry. The precious evenings as they talked together into the night. None of that. Just have to imagine all that it would have been. Lovely and rich and so very precious. And over these 18 years, God has blessed Beth and me with so many precious gospel partners. And for those of you who have arrived at Christchurch more recently, I would love to tell you all about them. I'd love to tell you about Rosie uh, and Helen Kerry, who attended and served at Christ Church for a whole year before I became vicar, preparing the way for the church graft that took place 18 years ago. I'd love to tell you about Ben Thompson and Wes Hayes and Laura Imerson, all so wonderfully in involved in ministry in the early years of the graft. I'd love to tell you about some of those who shared in leadership, Ian and Margaret White, David and Caroline Peep, Peter and Joanna Haynes, Chris Watkin, Nick Jones, Kate Taylor, and especially Andy and Ruth Drain on today, the anniversary of his too early death. I'd love to mention the wonderful partners who went to those church grafts, Ant and Soph uh, and others at Hope Church more recently, Chris and Meg, James and Ruth Diver, uh, off to the church plant at St. John's all those years ago, and others with them. But of course, I can't do any of that, because most of you don't know any of the names that I've just mentioned. They're just names to you. You're getting a bit blurry like you do at the end of the epistles. But to others of us here, uh, each name that I've mentioned brings a precious memory of partners in the gospel, friendships we've treasured and still do treasure. And the reason, the reason I can't do that is because inevitably I'll leave people out uh, and I can't possibly mention all the people that I want to mention. And of course all of that is before I even add all the people who are still here many of whom have been here with Beth and I for the whole of this 18 years of ministry together. And it also would mean that I hadn't got round to mentioning people on the staff team, like Richard and Chris and John and others, who have been such precious partners in ministry as well. So I decided that I wouldn't mention any names because that would be silly. Except I can't fail to highlight one partnership uh, by paying my own public tribute to Beth. She's not going to like this, uh, and it looks as though I'm going to have trouble to say it. Uh, she doesn't much like being in the spotlight, but anyone who knows her well and knows me well will know just how much I owe to Beth to her wisdom, to her faithfulness, to her patience. Let's face it, she's needed lots of that. 
to the wonderful constancy of her love to me and in friendship to so many of you. I couldn't have today pass uh, without expressing my thanks to her and my thanks to God for giving me such a precious partner, not just in gospel ministry, uh, but in life. And then blow me, you took me by surprise and ensured that uh, my two eldest children uh, were here as well. Um, and that was not anticipated. Our youngest would be here too. <laughs> if she could. Sometimes people, um, people talk, don't they, about the, the cost of ministry. Um, and I've never quite got that. I've never quite understood um, that idea. Because to me, ministry has just been a blessing. Uh, hasn't been a cost to me. But what I am aware is that if anyone has paid a price for my ministry, it has been my family. Usually because of my own failings to manage my time uh, as well as I should have done. Um, but wonderfully, they have been generous and patient and kind. And much more importantly than that, God has graciously given Tom and Abby faith in Christ uh, and two most wonderful uh, Christian partners uh, for their lives. And that is so very precious to me. Partners in the gospel, so very precious. Prize them highly. So many of them I, I didn't notice as I was going along. Do you know what I mean? It's only with hindsight you look back and you realize just how special they were. And if I could wind back and do it all over again, I'd tell people more often how much I prized the partnership that I had with them in gospel ministry. So if you're younger than me, uh, learn from my mistake and tell the people that you find yourself in partnership with just how good it is to share in ministry together. And then finally, a lesson about persistence, which is so worth having. Uh, one of you noticed that the little section at the end of our verses, where we read in uh, verse 8, uh, that Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Uh, but some refused, some became obstinate, they refused to believe and publicly maligned the way, so Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Two years, daily ministry. 18 years ago, at one of the very first prayer meetings that we had after uh, I had become vicar here, I challenged all of us to think long-term, that we might, in, in as much as it were possible for us, uh, put down long-term roots here at Christchurch. And some of us, wonderfully, God has enabled to do exactly that, because some of you were at that prayer meeting 18 years ago. And that matters. 
Because in all sorts of ways, the, the measure of a church is the depth and strength of those long-term commitments. It's not for nothing that Jesus says, by this will all people know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And love grows with the passing years, with the history shared together. So this morning, as, as I finish, I'd love to revisit that challenge to us all. That in as much as it is possible for us, and I know all sorts of things come, uh, some of those from 18 years ago never knew that they would end up on a church plant, but that was just the right thing for them. Uh, others called by God into other ministries. I never expected to be stepping out into this role with BCUK, but am pleased as pleased can be that it doesn't mean that I have to leave the church family that we love. But in as much as it is possible, why not commit to stay, to be a part of the work that God is doing here? I am so pleased to be able to stay around and see what God is going to do under David's leadership. I already see the energy and the enthusiasm that he is bringing to his plans for the next few years. And I'm so excited to see what God is going to do with all of that and with all of us. See, two years in the Hall of Tyrannus, two years of daily meetings, I reckon spread that out over Sundays and you get to well over a decade. So that'd be good, wouldn't it? Eh? If in 10 years' time we can muster again like this and see what God has done with the past decade. Be great to get another 10 years older together. 10 years of sharing ministry together. 10 years of partnership in Christ together. 10 years of growing in love together. 10 years of honoring our Lord and our Savior as we should. Let me pray. Our gracious Father, you, you bring great blessing to us. And we are, we're sorry that so often we, we somehow contrive to, to see past it, uh, to, to fail to manage to, to stop and pause and look and, and see how good and gracious and kind you have been to us. Uh, and I praise and thank you for all of the ways in which you have blessed me uh, by granting me the honor uh, of serving as vicar here these past 18 years. Uh, you have given me so much uh, through uh, that opportunity, uh, and I praise you for it. Uh, help us uh, to prize uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, to prize uh, the, our brothers and sisters with whom we share uh, in salvation, with whom we share as members together of the body of Christ. Uh, and grant that uh, the way that we live, uh, the way that we speak, uh, the way that we pray, uh, everything about 
the life that you form in us together uh, would bring you honor and glory and praise. Uh, and we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.